1: Welcome to the Orange is a New Black podcast, a podcast for diehard Bengals fans. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co host, Zim
0: Hude. Zim, say what's up. What's up? Hello, world. How's it going this evening? Staying corona free, I gather. I hope so.
1: I hope so. So, today we have a lot of items to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the interviews that went on with Dan Horde and Zach Taylor, we're going to talk about Sean Williams. We're going to talk about it all, the uniform changes, all, all of it. We're going to talk about Andy Dalton. So let's let's get it. So what do you want to talk about first, and what are we kicking it off with first?
0: Let's talk about, we could currently talk about, uh, at the very beginning of this, I've just been watching a lot of mock drafts, but more importantly, more than anybody that's crossed my radar is Mel Kiper dropped his 4.0. He goes into the second round. I was told that it goes and gets offensive tackle. I think it's uh, uh, Jackson from USC. If someone has seen it, correct me if I'm wrong, because you need ESPN Plus to see the uh, ranking online. They just did a special ESPN probably about an hour ago. Um, but in the first round, they talked about Joe Burrow, people not trading out of the pick. Um, and... I don't really have anything new to say about Joe Burrow, except you start hearing some of the stories. I heard about a, a bunch of stories of him in Ohio State. So there are a lot of non-believers uh, that say that um, Joe Burrow wasn't a starter at Ohio State, but they, you hear stories about how he fractured his hand, how he was still competing, how he was still a warrior, how he was get beat up at practice. You're hearing all these different stories, all the teammates, everybody saying that it's great. Everything is just – I don't know it's just coming full circle and i feel like we're really close we're nine days away at the time that we're filming this i purposely screenshot all the negative comments all day on my phone and i have a folder for them for all the negative people that say that joe burrow isn't going to win here and all that stuff like that and um i'm working on a visual board my wife got me into this thing too so i have like this thing where i get fueled up by a lot of different things as i'm going throughout the day I'm working on the visual board. Some of the like the most like uh, comments that just get under my skin the most. Like I'm just kind of using them just to say later on we're gonna find these guys and we're gonna say what was that that you were saying about Joe Burrow because I know that there's very few times in history that a number, a quarterback, like if you just go back and look, go back and look at Andrew Lux of the world. The only, only team that I've seen that had legit weapons was the Cam Newton-like team. There's very few times when a number one quarterback has this many weapons, and that alone makes me feel very, very, very optimistic about our future. Does that mean we're going to win a Super Bowl year one? I don't think so, but that's not how I'm judging our success, and I'm very excited about this. And in closing on my Joe Burrow intro here, Joe Burrow is a little Uzi Vert fan. If you all don't know, I've named my son Uzi. I'm the biggest Uzi Vert fan you will ever meet in your life. I think that this is already written and Joe Burrow is going to be like this. I already made Burrow baby's clothing. I already got Burrow babies. I mean, Burrow jerseys. So this is something that is just. It's all clicking, coming together. Joe Burrow's favorite candy is my favorite candy, Caramel Apple Pops. If you guys are not familiar with Caramel Apple Pops, go get some, go Google it online. Charms makes it, it's the greatest candy on earth. And it's like my, I don't even eat sweets a lot. It's my one addiction that I just cannot stop eating. But um Uzi Vert, like he, Joe Burrow doesn't even tweet. And the only times that he tweeted was to, retu- to retweet Eternal Take. And if you're older listening to this, you may not understand what I'm saying about Uzi Vert. But he is the rock and roll Led Zeppelin uh, fusion of rap. It's like the changing of the guards and that he's very meaningful in the rap game to me. And I think he's a very special uh, artist. And Joe Burrow recognizes that. Not to take any thing away from anything, and you might think that's weird, but I think it says a lot because Uzi Vert is a very aggressive and very, very, very like, yeah, like you know, what I'm saying? I don't even have a word to describe it. He's just, he's just a very polarizing force, and the fact that Joe Burrow says that he turns up to that before game is all I need to hear. Like, that's my favorite artist. Like, come on, it's, it's already written, bro.
1: Right,
0: they, say, uh, they say Ace, go punch the bag one time. For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I, will, I will do it by the end of the show. I'll
1: go ahead and punch the, the bag in the back. Uh, we've got the Steelers punching bag in the back. I someone asked me in the comments a week ago to put one in there. Uh, one question that we have from the super chat through my guy Rick, man, what's going on, Rick? Uh, I appreciate the, the nice sentiments that you've given us here. What will be the order of the AFC North in 2020? I think from my perspective right now, uh, depending on how things go into the draft, I I really have to see how things shake out with Burrow and how they address the line in the defense. But if I had to give you an answer today, Rick, right now, I still would probably put the Ravens at number one. I think the Bengals are number two. I think we're followed by the Cleveland Browns, and I think that the Steelers – the Steelers, I don't – It's tough. It could actually be between the Steelers and the Browns. But right now I'm going to say the Browns just because we don't know what Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back looking like off of that Tommy John surgery. Now, Steelers fans are probably going to hate me because they're going to be like, we went eight and eight last year. But I think that that is going to be crucial into what next season will look like. Zim, if you had to give an order of what the AFC
0: North would look like in 2020, what would you say? I'm very superstitious about this type of stuff, right? But I will say that the Bengals will not be in last place. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> it is, the Bengals, it is the Bengals will not be in last place 2020. I, 2020. I, it I, is, I, it I is pretty early. This, uh, is, this is arguably, like, I, I could argue talent-wise, the AFC North has three. I mean, I don't even want to include the Bengals, but the AFC North has three of the three teams that have the most talented roster in football, you could argue you could easily have an argument that the Browns, although they may not have the best organization and everything like that, but the Browns, the Steelers on defense, and the Ravens all around probably round out the top ten in the AFC. For I mean, not even the AFC, the, the NFL. And then we're in the and we're in the same division as them. And yeah. I and I'm not naive. I'm not naive to think that our roster could compete with the talent level of it. But I do believe that there is one uh, ultimate, you know, um, tool that it doesn't matter if, if your talent level is the very best. And if you have one of the top five, top ten quarterbacks in the NFL, it will catapult you to the top. And we see it every year. The Seahawks never have the most talented roster or they did back in the Kaepernick days in that area whatever but they don't have the most talented era, i mean uh roster currently right now and they and i feel like they never do but they always have Russell Wilson and i think that's what the that x factor that Joe Burrow could be like coming out coming out the gate
1: right i think when you spoke on Joe Burrow earlier i think we've heard a lot of things this week uh, we saw a lot of his personality on display with the Joe Burrow 360 that was introduced by NFL.com where we got to hear from his high school coaches and they told interesting stories just like Joe Burrow apparently received a second place trophy and threw it in the trash, completely threw it in the trash, didn't want it, and also uh, was given back that trophy and then disfigured the trophy because he was not cool with Second place at all, which that's what I love to hear coming in. Uh for a guy that's gonna be a rookie. And then you also hear about his fiery personality, seeing that come in against a team like the Steelers. I can't wait for that to happen. Uh shifting gears, there is another question in the chat from Wolf King 513. What are we doing with Dalton? That is one of the topics that we wanted to hit on throughout this show. In terms of Dalton, from my opinion, I think that the Bengals really kind of in a sense. Botched this uh, entire transaction because they waited and tried to hold their cards and hope that they could squeeze. In my opinion, I think a higher draft pick out of the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Bears pretty much hit them with their poker face and said, Well, we'll raise your Andy Dalton and Nick Foles for a lower draft pick. And I think that that's what they went with. So this has kind of put the Bengals in a situation where they have one or, or two options, right? You can either release Dalton outright which could be on the way, or you can stall and wait and hold him on the roster and make things very uncomfortable for your new rookie Joe Burrow and hold him into the preseason and wait for one of those teams or one of those quarterbacks to go down with the injury. That's the only time that you will have any kind of leverage when it comes to Dalton. But as we talked about before the show, me and Zim kind of talked about that post that Andy Dalton put up with him throwing in the backyard with his kids. Is that just a social distancing post? Does that mean that something is on the way? I'm not sure. Zim, what are your thoughts on Andy
0: Dalton? I don't think anything of it. I think he probably does that every single day of his life. I think Andy Dalton should be – I never I never doubted Andy, Dalton, uh, Andy Dalton's talent, you know, and I think, like, a lot of people, just because people like myself criticize him so heavily for giving up in clutch moments – not uh the famous fourth and three, the famous, you know, like uh third and ten. Like there's so many different players that I can pinpoint and say, like, yeah, that's not the guy. But I don't think that Andy Dalton doesn't love football. I do think he loves football. And I think he wakes up every day and he probably works towards like his dream. And, and I think he's probably walking around with a chip on his shoulder. And I just think he's working out like every day. And I don't think the Bengals told him to do it. I just think uh that. <laughs> Did somebody say I have a brawn? <laughs> <laughs> <What the fuck? laughs> for, for those listening uh, to the podcast, we do have
1: the live going on right now. You can follow our live <laughs> if you miss this uh, on my channel at New Stripe City. Zim is on Instagram at Zim underscore who day. he is not wearing a bra he is wearing a tank top.
0: <laughs> um, tank top but why when he said that I immediately feel like my tits are out or something <laughs> like that like I gotta go put my tits up all right all right look but Andy Dalton I feel like loves football I think he's always practicing and I don't think it means anything you know I just think like he just posted it up and if it's a reminder for people that he does have accuracy when he's not under pressure there there you go you know Right but, uh, speaking no, of under, he's pressure. under pressure
1: Speaking of under pressure, we talked about the offensive line. And Zim, you had a a list that you had together of some offensive linemen rankings. And obviously, offensive tackle, offensive guard possibly are going to be options that the Bengals are going to be looking at, right? That's If you had to point to some weaknesses, offensive line has to be at the top of that list, especially with you going after a quarterback and a franchise quarterback and Joe Burrow. So if you could, Zim, please give me your rankings and your thoughts on this draft class for some of our fans that might not be aware of those linemen because you you definitely have a great list that you put together
0: okay and i and there's two guys that are not on this list that i've been my dms i mean they i don't i think people think that i'm gonna block them if they like talk trash on my page so they like dm me and be like man no disrespect but i'm gonna go over my list Number one, I have Andrew Thomas, Georgia. I feel like he fits the mold. I feel like he's everything that Jonah Williams brought to the table. Consistency will play in the NFL 10 plus years, like no cap. Doesn't have the big, big, big crazy plays that like a Makai Beckton, and I'm gonna get to left, later, has, but every single game shows out, grades out well. Next, uh, I have Tristan Works from Iowa. Third, I have Jedrick Will, uh, Jedrick Willis from Alabama, who that could have went two, three. That could have got switched around. Josh Jones, I have as my number four, and that's very interesting because Josh Jones is a guy who plays the tackle position at Houston. Very athletic. Love the size. I love, I love the age. I love everything. He fits the profile, and it's a guy that could potentially be there at number thirty-three. There is going to be a run on tackles, and four of them are going to go. He might not be one of them, and the reason why is because Makai Becton, who a lot of people have uh b- above that, might a lot of people have that above him. Um, he might go there, and that's what would make make Josh Jones fall to us. Ezra Cleveland, I have after that, who traded who graded out so crazy at the combine in every measurable possible. But the problem is the production on tape, the different games that I watch, he constantly getting beat, constantly getting beat in space which is going to be something I think that the Bengals are going to be converting over to to try to appease Joe Burrow in this next thing. You're going to see a lot of four wide, five wide sets. The tight end position is not going to be what it was like for this team moving forward if they're accommodating Joe Burrow and Ezra Cleveland. On tape, does not fit that? Can they coach him up? I'm not sure. I don't know how much faith you have in in, in Turner, but he's my number six. Number seven, I have Ben Bartsch. Number eight, I had Austin Jackson. And Austin Jackson is another guy that's been getting linked to us also, um, and it's it's a guy I wouldn't mind taking at number thirty three. There's so many guys right there at, at the top of that second round. It's so hard for them to Drew sample this. It, right. it like number nine uh, per my number ten was Jack Driscoll, and that's only because I posted this too. I feel like he's the most slept on um, lineman in this draft he gave up a total of, like, 20 pressures his whole entire collegiate career. Like, the guy is super, super consistent. He got hurt, and I think because he doesn't have a lot of splash plays or whatever, like, I watched him against the best of the best at Auburn, and he held his own every single time. And it's a name that I don't really hear that much. The names that I did leave off are Cesar Ruiz, who is 20 years old. He's a center for Michigan. I just don't think the Bengals would be looking or want to – Convert him over or move him over based on the conversations or not conversations based on the interviews that Zach Taylor has said. Also, another guy is Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, he missed he fits the bill on everything. I wanted to ask Ace before I finalize this list. And it said, So, for my list, this is the thing for my list, I have Isaiah Wilson at like number eight, and then I also have Caesar Ruiz at like number seven. Right. But this is my Bengals list, and I just think based on the conversations and the different things that have come out, it just didn't match up. But I did want to ask Ace on his prime list. If you guys don't know, Ace has developed a a program called Prime. This prime looks into the Duke Tobin history and it it goes and and pays attention to all the different characteristics and traits. And I wanted to see where does Isaiah Wilson – or Cesar Ruiz, because I could be misjudging this, but based off of what I've seen, because Zach Taylor, we're going to get into was on Dan Patrick's show, and he also met with Dan Hoare and he had rave reviews for Xavier uh Philo. So right. which makes me believe that I don't they're they're absolutely thinking about starting that guy. they he, yeah. he he yeah. came out and said Trey Wayne's is starting. He came out and said a lot of guys are starting, like definitively.
1: Right. Suofilo, I think like you touched on, definitely probably has that right guard spot on lock. In terms of Isaiah Wilson looking at his prime score, he's sitting at a four out of five. So that's extremely high. If you're looking for a comparison of someone that he would be higher than, Uh, You talk about Makai Becton. They actually would have him uh, as higher than someone like Makai Becton, who comes in at a 3.86. So it's still pretty close, given uh, what kind of round grade they have on those guys that could could determine which way that they go with that. Uh, You talk about one of the top guys on their list, which they probably won't be able to get, would be Jedrick Wills. Uh, I think he's expected to go way before 33. You talk about Andrew Thomas. That's a 4.21. He's likely going to be gone. You talk about hearing that the Bucks are going to possibly trade up as well. The Browns are in the market for a new tackle. Some Browns of these guys are, are going to be going tackle. Some of these tackle. You know, Ezra
0: Cleveland keeps on getting
1: linked to the Browns too. I keep Ezra, wanting to him off. Ezra Cleveland actually comes in at a 4.31, so he's up there as well. Uh, PFF believes that he's a fourth-round projection, but you have to kind of take these projections with a grain of salt. I'm— I trust PFF just because they work with the team. So maybe they know some insight that we don't know. Uh, But right now, he is somewhat higher than some of those other guys that I named as well. So I think when you look at it all together, uh, Tristan Wirth, he's probably gone. You look at Jack Gershkole. He's another guy that could appeal to them. That's that's who I'm saying is
0: my number 10.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. A lot of people
0: people kept on. Yeah, that's the third name. Nguyen, uh, uh Lucas Nguyen, uh Isaiah Wilson, and Cesar Ruiz or the three guys that I kept on getting. Like, why is he not on your top 10? And so what I was going to ask you is, do you have, like, based off the prime, can you share your screen or can you just tell us what it, what is the, the 10 most viable options that you think the Bengals will be saying from offensive line? We didn't talk about this before this, but I didn't know if you had that already, like, ready to Yeah, go. I
1: do have it up. If we're, if we're talking in terms of tackles, uh, I could go by the prime score. I could go by the round. So if we're just going strictly off of like the highest prime score, Jedrick will still is the number one guy. He's there at four point five zero. After him, you actually have a guy by the name of Prince Winnegotega That's another guy that could That's be. A, man, we dropped that stage.
0: on our live last week.
1: Yes, we actually did pick him up on our live as well. That and was on. Uh, there's a a gentleman by the name of Colton. Mick Vitz, I believe that's his name. Uh, he's he's a guy that's a late round pick. So, okay. you know, if they were to take two tackles and they wanted to pick one later, you probably hear that guy. Uh, the next highest guy is actually Ezra Cleveland. So he's up there. And then there's no surprise with this one because the Bengals actually met with this guy virtually. Uh, Cameron Clark, but he's another guy that's going to be a later round kind of option for them. If they're going with another tackle in like the sixth or seventh round, it would be that gentleman. Uh, the other third highest guy on the list is Drake Driscoli. So the guy that you talked about a little bit earlier that was in your top 10, he's there. You also have Lucas Niang, uh, followed by him. He's got the 4.23. Then you've got Andrew Thomas, Josh Jones, Tristan Wurst, Austin Jackson. So a lot of these guys really fit that mode. If you're looking at guys that don't fit the mode with the lowest scores, you're talking about a Kyle Murphy. You're talking about a Matt Parrott. Uh, you're talking about A Makai Beckton surprisingly
0: does not fit their mold. He's at a three point eight six. So Makai Beckton, if if anybody has seen anything about Makai Beckton, he kind of reminds me of the. I cannot think of this guy, and I'm so mad at myself. But he has these big splash plays where he's absolutely just knocking guys over, and like not even in just in a standard run play. Like I mean, it just in just in. A standard blocking transition, not even like a zone thing, not nothing where anyone is like right. interweaving or anything like that, just knocking guys out and pancaking. Him. He has these big flash plays, but he has these plays where he just takes off, like right. And, and, and I,
1: when I'm looking at it, it looks like his weight isn't where it should be in terms of what the Bengals like at right tackle. His body mass, his BMI isn't there. His arm length is a little bit shorter than what they have traditionally looked at, and then you look at his age as well. So, those are all factors that kind of go against him there. In terms of guys that it works for, like let's say, for instance, we're talking about Lucas Niang, you look at some of the strong points are they have drafted linemen from his conference. They have drafted someone from his school. You talk about that BMI, he's the perfect size that they like there in terms of height and weight. Uh, He also has the hand size that they look for as well. So a lot of arm length things, a lot of things that are really, like, important, he's kind of checking the boxes on. So that's what, for the most part, uh, makes up some of these metrics and prime and it's funny that we talked about this because when i was watching the nfl network it seemed like they were doing something similar to prime in terms of an athleticism score productivity score as well uh outside yeah. of that i know you also had a linebacker list that
0: we I got a linebacker I'm, I'm gonna get to the linebacker list in one second i want to go over some of these things real quick because i don't want to i told everybody to come on here and the live and talk to us whatever um andrew humphrey what's up bro uh edward riddle he said he we, he wanted us to talk about Stephen A. Smith. I've been doing this thing where I'm not shedding light on all these people that are talking all this craziness that I I, I don't even know if it's clickbait anymore. I just think that people are just mis misinformed. Um, yeah,
1: I, I definitely fear you on that. Just to briefly touch base on it, because like Zim, I agree we shouldn't really give these guys any attention, especially when you're talking about a guy in Stephen A. Smith that thought that Hunter Henry was playing on a Monday night football game when he was deactivated for the season and talked about <laughs> and referenced guys that weren't even on the Chiefs uh, at the time that he made that reference. To me, it's all about spreading a narrative to try to get Joe Burrow away from the Cincinnati Bengals, the national media in terms of some of the bigger memberships. I can't speak for all of them because we are friends with some of them on Twitter, but you talk about the talking heads like the Stephen A. Smiths, the Colin Cowherds, those guys. Literally, they kind of all have this agenda for these players to play in big markets because it's more beneficial to them. There's more stories that they can write. There's more people that they can access. But it you kind of really essentially see through the flaws when they talk about and reference the Miami Dolphins being a good football team, because they're not, they're complete trash. I live in Florida. The Miami Dolphins are complete trash. They're not a good organization. They had a guy that was uh, one of their offensive line coaches that was disbarred from the team from being on drugs. So we'll just keep it that because this is a PG 13 show, but uh this isn't a model franchise at all. So when you talk about instead of going to the Bengals, going to the Miami Dolphins, you clearly know absolutely nothing about the Bengals. And Stephen A. Smith, I think that a lot of people realize that that gets Bengals fans tense and it gets us to pay a lot of attention to it. So like Zim is saying, I think that we should start to tune out the noise. And it's all complete trash. Honestly, it's complete trash. And this is coming from a guy that's a Steelers fan. So what do you expect? He's probably scared about what Joe Burrow is going to do to Big Ben. In his quarantine body pounding, pounding <laughs> donuts right now. So don't even focus on any of that stuff. It's just noise. The Bengals will be picking Joe Burrow. There will not be a trade. Uh, Zach, his not a trade. is already.
0: The Dolphins came out and said that they don't have any aspirations of giving up that much because they're trying to build a, a better roster and they can't see themselves giving up multiple first-round picks for one guy. And exactly. Zach, like you were just saying, said if a team is willing to do that, then it verifies what we think about um about our guy. And that right. guy's got to be Joe Burrow. Right. Like, who else are we exactly. talking about? That, I yeah. told my wife that same thing. And she said, yeah, that just verifies. Like, why would they trade it? If everybody wants this one guy out, that would be silly for y'all to like give it up. And she knows hey, you're talking about on. a guy that
1: Gil Brent just came out today. Sorry to cut you off, but a guy that Gil God, Brent that was... came out with today saying that he compared Joe Burrow to Peyton Manning. So for me, Am I going to take the advice of somebody I like Colin Cowherd or someone like Gil Brandt that has the experience of twenty to thirty years of scouting experience? I'm going to go with Gil Brandt, honestly. I uh, think so, Joe,
0: I think Joe Burrow's better than Peyton Manning. I don't think I don't think he'll ever ever be able to to be Peyton Manning, like because there's only one Peyton Manning. But as far as like his ability to extend a play, right. Peyton Manning never. Ever, I would
1: I would be happy if he could be anything close to Joe Montana, Peyton Manning,
0: or I, Tom Brady. I, I, I would take I, 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 of that. the two. If anybody anybody out here has any doubt about Joe Burrow, and you just think like I don't know what you could think, the number one person that you could look at and say this is how he plays is maybe on the on to me the floor would be Tony Romo. That's the floor. Right, like He plays like that in the in the ceiling or maybe he can eclipse the ceiling is Steve Young. If you look at those two players and I'm not I'm not comparing Joe Barrow, a college prospect to either one of those two players, but there is no bone in my body that thinks that he'll he won't be exactly on the on the small side what Tony Tony Romo did for his team and for that franchise y'all talk we talking about just a playoff win and stuff like that like that's that's easy work. Joe Burrow won't ever be like once we get that we'll, we won't even for remember the fact that Joe Burrow will be just so much more heavily than you all all realize. Joe Burrow could win win a Super Bowl and people four or five years from that will still be like, man he ain't did it. Like look at look at like the decline of a Joe Flacco or somebody like that like it's, it's not far-fetched that these quarterbacks win really, really big. And then a couple years later, like, I mean, look at Cam Newton, you know what right. I'm saying? Like this guy's the MVP, but people are treating him as though like even him with a bum arm. Is it better than 40% if not 50% of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Even, right. a, even a Kaepernick, like these, all these guys. So to me, the floor is always going to be like Tony Romo because he plays on that level. But, and that's a pretty good floor, but and that's a pretty good floor. But it depends on how you how you expect it. If you're going to be one of those guys that's going to be judging Joe Burrow for his whole entire career based on the success of Chase Young or any of the other quarterbacks like Tua or anybody in this draft, then we'll see. You know, it, it uh, it's all about the fit. There's all is so many other different factors that have to happen. The Bengals have to, as an organization, better themselves. They have to put the resources around them. So when we're talking about the number 33 pick, I've really, really, since we did that live the other day, I've really, really, I always play this one thing in my head about when Marvin Lewis left. He only did a couple interviews where he even mentioned the Bengals, but he always said, and he said this twice, when he did like a little thing on NFL Network and ESPN, he said they have to fix the line. And from a defensive specialist like a Marvin Lewis, for him to say that, it lets me – that's very telling to say that they were super, super limited. Andy Dalton, a lot of people brag about how fast he gets the ball out. It's because they're super, super limited on what they can do, what they can run, and how predictable it will be, especially on third down when teams can absolutely destroy you when they know you're going to pass. The biggest, biggest biggest dilemma that – uh, the Bengals have had in the last couple years is the offense has never produced to the point where you could just have Carl Lawson in a third in a third down situation in a NASCAR package. Their biggest problem is the defense always looks a lot worse than what it really is because they're always playing from behind. So he still has to uh, play gap integrity. He still has to set the edge. He still has to do these things. Teams like the Chiefs go up 20 points on you. They're flying upfield. They're killing quarterbacks. It's time to go. It's time to eat. But Bengals have never led with that. So defense wins championship, guys. Every week we do these lives in here. They always talk about some, oh, the defense is terrible. The defense defense could be average. If the Bengals score 28, 30 points a game, the defense will be amazing. (laughs) It will look so amazing to you just by them scoring those points. Playing with the lead versus playing from a deficit is two major things that are super, super overlooked in all of this. When we look at the Chiefs, no one can name their linebackers. And when you do name the linebackers like a raglan, who they don't even have, they don't even use in the way that you guys are are saying that you need a linebacker. That's why I was telling Ace before this. The next part of this is I think one of the most underrated signings of this thing is Josh Barnes. Me and Ace. Both have PFF, and I was looking at his grades. Compared to, like, Chiefs linebackers or any of the top linebackers, Josh Barnes grades out in the top coverage portion and never graded under 75.5, which is very, very high for a linebacker um, this past year in all of his games. That alone will give the Bengals the freedom not to – Force the, force the issue because I saw some people saying, linebackers got to be number 33. It does not. No, it no. In this NFL or whatever, the linebacker as we saw later on in the year, the Chiefs stopped playing their linebackers. They started, and, and that's exactly why Sean Williams and Von Bill and, and McKenzie all can work together in that aspect. And it's going to be really fun. As Zach Taylor said, it's going to be really fun because right. they're watching right. that and they're seeing these different things. So Everybody wants uh, uh, a Ray Lewis, but Ray Lewis don't come out every year. The guys that I thought were so amazing, even if you look at what's the kid from the Bears? What's the linebacker that just got uh, uh, that was considered like maybe the next? We you, the, the know name, who you're talking about. The, the no. name doesn't even pop off like that, right? Because there's right. only going to be so many elite linebackers. And when you get one, yeah, it's going to be a force to be reckoned with. But to go reach for that, I, I to me, linebacker and run back running back are the two least valuable um, positions in football.
1: Yep, you were talking about real Smith, but Roquan so he, he was great every year go in the draft. I agree with everything you said there. Uh, in terms of linebacker, I think the earliest that they should look at one is third round. You look at Jermaine Pratt last year, he was a guy that they got in the mid. Uh, to later rounds, and they came out pretty good on that end. So some of the guys, uh, I'll let Zim tell his list, but for me right now in terms of prime, some of the guys that stick out at the top of that list that I would love to have personally, especially after watching this film, is Logan Wilson from Wyoming. Uh, He's the highest guy on the on the prime board at a four point seven three. He's expected to go in the third or fourth round that I think would be perfect. Unfortunately, the second guy after him is another guy that I really like. Unfortunately, he got injured during the season. And that's Marcus Bailey from Purdue. Uh, 4.61, I'd love to take a fifth-round, six-round flyer on him, similar to what they did with Rondy Anderson last year. I would love to see that. You also talk about Josh – I mean, not Josh, but Zach Bond of Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, more of a versatile linebacker, has been more of an edge rusher, but could be the perfect guy in terms of that transition – to the 3-4 that people have been putting out there that the Bengals may be switching to, but he's also a guy that does have some cover potential, which sounds crazy because this is a guy that is an edge rusher, but also has that ability to cover as well, the athleticism. He was projected to be... a. F- late first round possibly second round at least locked now it comes out that his urine sample was diluted so that could push him back so that's a guy to keep your and, eye and on
0: and excuse me Ace. adam Schefter came out and said this about a couple hours ago because it was a diluted sample and it wasn't part of the new bargaining agreement that could penalize him he doesn't see him dropping that's, okay, what, adam, cool. that's what adam Schefter said
1: cool so if Zach Bond does make it to 33. That's probably a pipe dream because I think that he could go in that late that late first round area. You also have some other guys that make the list. Evan Weaver, uh, that's a guy that could be in the sixth round. And I, when I listen to some of these other podcasts and some of these draft analysts. The first thing that I heard before I even did prom was that there's not much of a difference between a guy in the third round and the sixth round. And after doing a lot of this research, after looking at a lot of the metrics, I feel that that rings true when it comes to getting past a certain crop of guys. There's not really that much of a difference between some of the guys in the third round versus some of the guys in the sixth round. You guys were on here last week where we took Willie Gay. That's another guy that's pretty high. Uh, We talk about a third round. Great there. Malik Harrison, another guy from Ohio State, he's got a four point two nine grade as well. So there's a lot of options that the Bengals could be looking at with these guys. And they don't necessarily have to take a Patrick Queen that early. They don't have to really jump out the window and do that. And Kenneth Murray, in my opinion, he's not good against the run. He might be a decent coverage Terrible. linebacker, but he, to me, isn't worth in my opinion, the second round pick versus us getting someone like a Josh Jones. I think Josh Jones brings you a lot more value than a guy like Kenneth Murray would. But with that being said, Zim, let's go ahead and get into your linebacker list. And then we can try to wrap up here as Ryan, we're at okay. 35.
0: Ryan, Ryan McKeon, he keeps on saying, and he needs, he needs to clarify, there's not a lot of starting positions open. There are, think, there, there, are there are on the, there, the offensive line. So he's saying, bro, stop. Bro, stop what? He's
1: replying to someone in the chat. So it seems as okay. if uh, it, as if someone, I think, is saying that we should either trade up or something like that. And I think he's saying that we don't have enough picks or something like that. I'm not sure exactly.
0: We, we might not have a lot of picks like the Patriots have 12, right? But I will say this. We have a big advantage in this virtual draft is that we have the first pick of every single round. So we don't have this rush, 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 uh, frantic pace to our drafts. We have a whole 12-hour, 18-hour period in between nights where we're actually phoning phone calls. We're resetting our board. So the Bengals have a – this is the ultimate, ultimate – um uh, draft for them to be able to have this luxury where they can reset each night and they don't have to race against the clock i will say that and for that i do want to say that later on right after we do this i just want to talk about like the bengals should be able to tr- to trade back in a second but i'm gonna tell you how and what but ace asked me my linebacker rankings my number one of course is isaiah simmons who i don't believe will be there my next is patrick queen My next is Willie Gay Jr. Um, Willie Gay Jr. is, I don't know if it's this, and he's a little unorthodox. When you watch him on film, he he constantly picks the wrong angles. He constantly does a lot of things wrong. But when he does, when he is on, it's perfect. Like, I mean, it's, 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 it's in the end. He's way faster. He's more rangy. It's, it's violence. <laughs> it's pure destruction on the field. When the guy is on, and, and I don't know if I'm more afraid of him going to, like, the Browns or the Steelers or somebody like that, then I am actually – I just want him out of the division. If we aren't going to get this guy, he is going to absolutely cause us headaches. Willie Gay Jr. does not need to be in the AFC North if he is not on our team. Okay, after that. Then I go into Zach Baum because I do kind of still consider him an edge. But even at the combine, he said, I'm absolutely a linebacker. Wisconsin made me uh, primarily rush, you know, so however you want to look at it. After that, I have Malik Harrison from Ohio State. So I know you Buckeyes guys are going to like that. After that, I have Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech, who just kind of got on my radar probably like this past week. Still making the same place. There, there is tremendous depth at the linebacker position. After that, then I have Kenneth Murray, Troy Die. Uh, I'm sorry, Kenneth Murray, then Akeem Davis-Gaither, Troy Die, and then my number 10 is Logan Wilson. So that's my top 10, and I'll be posting that on my page on Instagram. If you guys don't know, I'm Zim underscore Houday on Instagram.
1: Right. That was a great list. So before we close out, Zim, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about?
0: i just wanted i i wanted to say there was a uh there is there is a chance the number 33 pick is so high value it is almost 200 points higher on a on a trade chart that nfl has been collecting over the years it's a it's it's the perfect situation since we have we do have a lot of holes i don't know why he's saying that that we don't have that we don't have a lot of holes on the offensive lines there's a ton of holes uh i will argue. We're not even going to talk about the host. This is it. They have a possibility of possibly getting two second-round picks, but they need to not go past number 40. But there are four teams that have two second-round picks that if this team needs to get up to the top of that round, say a quarterback that somebody is not thinking drops. Say a Herbert pulls a Lamar Jackson, right, overnight. Like something crazy, Jordan Love somebody that should not be there, a Eason or somebody that's a quarterback primarily that a team is really, really in need of or planning for their future. That night, if that team is the Colts, the Texans, the Bears, or the Ravens, which we probably don't count on the Ravens, Um, Bears, I, I would think so, right? But those those uh, teams, because Texans now – Deshaun Watson is now getting caught in a bunch of trade rumor stuff. But, but that's not, don't pay attention to the team. Pay attention to the fact that these are the four teams that have two second round picks. When I look on the trade chart, the 33rd pick is slightly higher than the, the, the point uh, values that these four teams have. But if someone like a quarterback or somebody that they really, really consider elite is sitting right there, the Bengals have an opportunity to possibly turn that into two second round picks. But there is no circumstance, there is no scenario where they wouldn't come back and get a second round pick that doesn't go past 40. So you're trading back seven, eight spots at the most, and then you're picking up another third round pick. And a lot of these guys that we talked about today will be there in the third round. And so, for me, it's almost a no-brainer because even when we go through these tackles and we could go through the guards and we can go through the linebackers, there are, there, when I said early in the pod, I said that you, it'd be impossible for them to drew sample to pick. Every time I do a mop, there's literally, like, after I pick the, when I'm on the clock at the 33rd pick, there's literally, like, 12 to 15 guys that I, I 12, 10 to 12 guys that I would pick right at the 33rd spot. If I can do that and trade back and pick up another third, I mean to me that's a no brainer, bro.
1: Right. Uh, I I think I have to agree with that. Like depending on who's there, right? If it's a if it's a Dell Pitt or if it, there's a Josh Jones, I think you yeah. have to. And, let me, let me not get things misconstrued. It's likely that Josh Jones isn't going to be there. So let me not sell you guys on this fact that Josh Jones will be there. He could. But say, but say he
0: isn't. But say he isn't. Look at all them guys that we just named on our list. Right. There's going to be two or three of them dudes that everybody would take. Austin Jackson, right. Isaiah Wilson, Cesar. If, 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 if he's not there, that means somebody else is going to be there. And then you got other right. guys. Like, two, like, say two running backs go off. Say DeAndre Swift and another running back. Say Nabil Gallimore, who we did in our mock, who does get mocked uh, a lot. Like, say a, some of these interior defensive linemen. Say these these positions that we aren't really targeting. There might be a run on corners because right. the value of a corner is much higher. The only reason why we're not looking at corners because we just spent all that money on Trey Waynes, McKenzie. And I still will argue I will be looking at a couple. Like, if, if Terrell right. from Alabama was there, I still would may say, hey. I'll get him too, but my point is there's going to be a run on something, and it's going to push right. a lot of these guys that we like. Yeah. Right, it really so is. It really, really is. That are, that, like, like these we, guys that we're talking about, it's not a Drew Sample type situation. There's a right. lot of these guys that will still be in the middle of the second.
1: And one and guy, third. I think what we don't want to happen though is what in we're in a different situation this year because we got the first pick in the second round. But last year, when a guy like Cody Ford was not expected to be there. Some people had Cody Ford going in the top 10 and he got there and rumors came out that the Bengals attempted to draft up, but they didn't pull the trigger and then they settled for Drew Sample. There's going to be someone like that there. What, what really is going to entice them is how much someone's going to offer to move up to that second round pick. Now, if they give you a King's ransom for that to move up there, I think that you have to take it. If they're not giving you adequate value and there's somebody there that shouldn't be there, let's just say a Andrew Thomas, in that situation, yeah, you pull the trigger. But I think the best move is what Zim is suggesting, and what some of the people in the comments are suggesting is, if there is a pick to move back and try to acquire some better talent, it would possibly
0: be that 33 pick. I, I mean, and I'm I'm looking at the uh, there's an argument. If if the Bagels have on their board, this is the only way I could say them, uh, like AJ Ep-
1: Epinesa. What if he's there? What are you say? Say,
0: say he's there, right? But say this is this is a different question though for me i i would pass on because zach bond that means to me zach bond has probably come off the board or somebody had to come off the board that i wasn't thinking was going to come off the board right and, and may and then it this is a Bengals question if their board has epinezza as, as a first round uh prospect yeah 33 you go get him for all we know denzel mims excuse me or any of those guys a lot of these guys were saying they might have like say they had them in their top 10 top 15 and then they're at the 33 yeah you go take them unless you make a deal with a team and say you know these conversations happens you go back like three four spots and you know for certain that those teams aren't taking your guy or something like that cool. then maybe you do it but if that's your guy if patrick queen is your guy go ahead take him i'm not against that i'm just saying that there's going to be a bunch of guys there this is a scenario that James Rapine threw out to me. And I wanted to close out with this. And I want to surprise Ace because I don't we like to do things unscripted. He right. threw this out. At the number 65 pick is what the new value is now equated to for Trent Williams. You now have uh, we're talking about all these offensive tackles and all these different guys like that. These guys, in my mind, will never be Trent Williams currently, right now. I feel like if you guys don't, if you like, Trent, if you like Andrew Whitworth and you're a Bengals fan or whatever, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. Trent Williams is a seven time pro bowler, elite tackle that can play left or right tackle. Does, this is not a, a, a Cordy Glenn situation. He was given some medicals, played with his life. The people might have thought he had cancer. It's a very confusing story. And ultimately, he just doesn't want to play for the Redskins. He's super motivated. The players that I talked to that are around him, that are currently training with Trent Williams, say this guy is, i talked to people on a bank, I've talked to two players on the Bengals team that say he's in the top three tackles in the NFL currently right now behind the guy for the Raiders and the guy for the Saints. They said that, and that's and that's no cap, everybody around the league believes that, all players believe that. If you have the third—now, the new value is a third-round pick. You now have your quarterback on a rookie contract, which is very important for you, Mr. Chase Young fan, guys. The value of a rookie quarterback is unprecedented and unmatched. You have that. You have the ability to wash Andy Dalton off your roster. You then go sign Joe Mixon, do whatever you want to do. But Trent Williams could be had for $14, 15000000 million a year. You will have the money to pay it in his three to four year window with this rookie quarterback. Give up the number 65 pick. Do you give it up for Trent Williams?
1: Yeah, I I think that's a no brainer. Uh, A Third round draft pick for Trent Williams. Yeah, I do that deal all day because, number one, he's still in his early 30s. So it's not like this is a guy that could honestly play until he's about 37 38 we're seeing that right now with andrew whitworth who i think is possibly in his 40s so yeah i would definitely take a guy like that with a third round pick especially if that sweetens the pot to the point where i can take joe burrow number one and i can take the best player available that could be another first rounder at uh the 33 i'd do that and then i can go and get i can still solve my offensive line problem with getting him there
0: yeah i would do that and, and, and then this great debate about our offensive line and the national narrative, all this it's stuff, over. it goes away. It's, over. it's all over. So if you're in the Bengals' front office and you hear that offer, you got to move. If they're being aggressive like they just were with 100 something million, $108 million in free agency, you don't stop right there. You go get Trent and you go make a playoff run year one. And it sounds a little crazy, but it's really not. The, the as Ace has pointed out to me, the 49ers were fourth and 12. I mean, 4, four and 12 go on to go to the Super Bowl the following year,
1: right? Right, I have to agree. So, with that being said, thank you guys for joining us. I really appreciate the comments, I appreciate the super chats. If you're not following us and you want to see this live and you want to participate and ask questions, definitely be sure to subscribe to my channel, New Stripe City. We do these shows. If you hit the notification bell, you will get a notification when we're doing it. They'll be starting with the title Orange is the New Black. So whenever you see that come across your notifications, be sure to click on it. And if you guys want to talk to Zim directly, I know Ryan wanted to explain himself. uh, And that's been commented in the comment box. You can find him on Instagram at Zim underscore who you can find us both on twitter uh zem at Zim who all one word no underscore and you can find me at new stripe city on twitter this has been the oranges the new black podcast we, we, got, a special show. For, I'm we got
0: a special show coming up you're gonna tell okay. them we're gonna be collaborating with all of the cissy jungle syndicate and everybody is going to get together and create the the force of power rangers of you remember <laughs> when power rangers would get together and i never really watched a full episode. But they will all get together, and then they would do something spectacular. And I think I'm kind of like the White Ranger, because wasn't he like the most lit Ranger? Yes, he was. All right, I'm the White Ranger, and we're all going to get together, and we're going to create this crazy force with Matt Minich, John Shearing, and Anthony Kazenza. And it's coming up soon. We're going to do a draft special. Who they? Who they? Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market,